0: This is the earliest i 've ever recorded the show, um, well, not necessarily the earliest, but the soonest after waking up that i 'm recording the show just because I have a lot to do today i 'm still drinking coffee that's uh, that 's weird i 've never drank coffee and on the show together before why i 'm telling you this i don 't know it 's the ADR podcast. I talk mostly about movies, not coffee. Anyway, I'm going to talk about Psycho today because I saw Rear Window the other day, so I thought, well, might as well do Psycho. Um, Plus, I've really been missing, you know, good horror in my life, horror movies in my life uh, recently. I haven't had time to watch many, and, you know, it's spring almost. It's not really the season for horror movies, so I'm going to work on that and talk about Psycho today. Maybe I can get that vibe of uh, really fun, good, uh, scary movies back into my life. I think Psycho is Hitchcock's, you know, straight-up scariest movie. Uh, it does—what uh, he does so well is make the everyday, you know, really, really scary. Like I talked about yesterday about a Rear Window. So here's, you know, this girl who is running away and staying in a motel. Things are fairly normal. She's about to go back and, you know, reconcile with everybody. But then um, death happens, and that is what makes it so scary. It's so out of the blue. I remember reading about the uh, ad campaign for Psycho. When it first premiered in the 60s, They wouldn't let people in after the start of the show. They were super strict about this. They wouldn't let anybody in after, you know, the first few minutes because if they miss the beginning, then they completely miss out on the whole effect of the movie because it changes so quickly and becomes, you know, this, you know, tense character drama like Psycho, not Psycho, like Hitchcock had been known for up to that point and then turns it into what most people will agree is the world's first slasher movie. Movies with as much reach as uh, Psycho has are pretty rare just because, you know, the first half of the movie follows Janet Lee as she's trying to figure things out with all the money she stole. The second half tries to figure out, you know, everything that's happening with the Bates Motel. And, you know, movies that, are, that feel so disconnected from the first half to the second half rarely are as coherent as this movie is, but it tells an overarching story. Even though things change really, really quickly at one specific point, it really does a great job of making everything feel like a solid whole. And the way that it does that, it keeps the tone um, consistent throughout. You know, even though nothing scary is happening in the beginning, it feels just as tense. I can't imagine watching this back in the 60s and imagining like not knowing that the things that were going to happen later in the movie were going to happen because now the shower scene is so famous but back in the 60s that was kind of taboo almost like how back in the 90s the whole bruce willis thing in a sixth sense was kind of taboo and people wouldn't you know say anything about it now the shower scene and bruce willis's you know ultimate nature in sixth sense are so ingrained in popular culture that you know everyone knows them so it's not really Considered a quote-unquote spoiler, but I can't imagine watching Psycho without knowing that the second half is going to be a really, really different kind of movie. I attribute most of this change to Norman Bates just because of how his character really drives the movie and how his, you know, outward appearance really changes as the movie progresses. Even though Psycho's not a very long movie, you know, it's shorter than uh, Rear Window at least, the pacing is so much better in Psycho just because the way that the information is like given to the audience is so much better and the way that um everything is like parsed out and especially when the two new characters come in Janet's uh, lover and her sister, the way that they explore the motel and do their own investigation paralleled with how Norman is reacting to everything is so cool. And in Rear Window, you know, there's that one moment where everything is resolved and, you know, it's a good ending, but it's a really fast ending. In Psycho, they really give the ending time to breathe. There's one moment where, you know, everything changes and that's like the big climax of the ending. But then after that, they spend, you know, five minutes at the police station giving the audience a kind of debriefing where they talk about Norman's psychological condition And it's great, it's terrifying, even though it's just a guy talking about Norman, everything makes so much more sense after seeing the movie, relating these things back to him, and then making the connections. The movie lets the viewer do all of the work, and when the viewer does all of the work, it's really scary, because the audience is coming to their own conclusions, not necessarily what the movie is telling them to feel, but the connections that the audience makes after hearing that whole police debriefing is horrifying. It's great. I'm really amazed that the movie's able to uh, be so slow about certain things, like the uh, police deposition at the end, uh, the first scene where Norman is cleaning up a murder. They're able to move so slowly with those kinds of things, but comparative to Rear Window, at least, and a lot of other movies, it's fast-paced. And the really long, lingering, meandering scenes are really effective, too, because, you know, you see the meticulous nature of the serial killer. It's amazing. I'm really amazed with the way that the movie was still able to be so popular, especially in the 60s, and still be, you know, as horrifying intense, and difficult to watch as it is. Even now, in 2014, I have a hard time watching it just because I'm so nervous and uh, filled with anxiety about a lot of things about the movie— and most of that has to do with the score. You know, everyone knows, like, the shrieking violins in the uh, in the shower scene. But Bernard Herrmann's score for the rest of the movie is so brilliant that it instills a sense of fear. Even if Marion Crane is just driving down the highway, you're nervous. You're really, you know, fearing for her and for something that's happening. It's like... In Jaws, you're yelling at the characters, get out of the water. Can't you hear the uh, music playing? Or like that one episode of SpongeBob where they actually do that. But then, you know, Marion driving around to this music still makes you horrified. What are you doing? Turn back now. Something bad's going to happen. Can't you hear the music? Modern studios are really trying to spin this whole idea of an event movie, you know, you have to go see this movie on opening weekend in a multiplex with a crowd and be a part of this phenomenon while it's still in theaters. Uh, That's the only way you can get butts in seats anymore just because, you know, everything is moving online. But with Psycho, I feel like Psycho is the only movie that's really stood the test of time in terms of a movie that's still really good even after that initial wave of hype ends. Remember Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity, how everyone had to go see those movies in theaters? You know, they're still pretty good movies, but Psycho definitely holds up the best among any of them. With Psycho, you don't need a crowd in a theater on opening weekend for it to be a good movie, Although I totally recommend, you know, seeing movies in theaters with friends and everything. But Psycho is still a great movie on its own without the hype. And I think that's what makes it so special, especially for the uh, horror genre. I'm going to sign off here because all the uh, studios and event movies and franchises are a completely separate discussion. That will lead us into like the 20-minute mark, which I don't want to do today. Uh, Have a good weekend, watch lots of movies, and I'll see you on Monday.